Welcome to MedSider, where you can learn from a mix of experienced medical device and medtech experts. These proven mentors will show you how to master the medtech space on your own terms without going to school. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. Did you know that the FDA recently issued a multi-million dollar contract to a private company that will be charged with monitoring social media? Yes, multi-million. Needless to say, that's a significant amount of money. Although many would argue the FDA has not been very clear regarding its guidance towards social media, you can't deny that the FDA is beginning to take social media more serious than it ever has. In this interview with Dr. Mukesh Kumar, Senior Director of Regulatory Affairs for Americ's Clinical Research, we'll discuss common issues, misconceptions, and possible solutions in regards to using social media to market and sell FDA-regulated medical devices. Here are a few things that we're going to learn. Why one particular company received a warning letter from the FDA for clicking the Facebook like button. Trends and recent discussions regarding the FDA's overview and enforcement of social media as it pertains to marketing medical devices. Best practices for managing social media within the medical device space. If a patient submits a question regarding a medical device via Twitter, how is it possible to present balanced information given the 140 character limit? Of course, there's much more that we'll cover in this interview, but before we dig in, please listen to these brief two messages. Job leads, opportunities to network, access to specialized groups, meaningful discussion and debate. Sound interesting? Then you should check out the Medical Devices Group on LinkedIn. It's the industry's only spam-free, curated forum for intelligent conversations with medical device thought leaders. Not only that, but it's the single largest medical group on all of LinkedIn. Medical device professionals worldwide are invited to join the Medical Devices Group to help build their personal and corporate brands. Check it out, medicaldevicesgroup.net. Again, that's medicaldevicesgroup.net. As a reminder, MedSider is on iTunes. Just go to medsider.com forward slash iTunes and you could subscribe to the podcast for free. That way, all the new episodes will automatically download to your iTunes account. It's super easy. Also, if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate it. That really helps us out. Okay, for you ambitious med tech and medical device doers, here's your program. All right, hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of MedSider. Of course, this is your host, Scott Nelson. And for those of you who are new to the program, MedSider is the place where I interview uh, medical device and med tech thought leaders on a wide variety of subjects. Uh, and in this particular episode, uh, we're going to cover all things social media as it pertains to FDA-regulated medical devices, uh, and the, the guest on the program today is Dr. Mukesh Kumar, who is the Senior Director of Regulatory Affairs and Quality Assurance for Americ's Clinical Research. Dr. Kumar, uh, his, his key expertise is in global regulatory and business processes for uh, medical and diagnostic, diagnostic products. He's a well-known expert in global drug approval processes as well and has been involved in clinical trials in more than 60 countries. And lastly, Dr. Kumar is a Ph.D. in biochemistry with a specialization in virology, gene therapy, and molecular biology. Hopefully I got all of that in. Uh, but welcome to the program, Dr. Kumar. really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Scott. It's a pleasure being here. Uh, that, was a, that was a rather long-winded intro, but I needed to make sure I, I fit in as much as possible <laughs> in your background because it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, but, uh, but so, so as I just mentioned, we're going to talk about all things uh, social media as it pertains to 
medical devices, medical products, et cetera, that are regulated by the, by the FDA. Um, but before we dig in specifically, I think you've got an interesting story in regards to a device uh, that, was, that was recently on Grey's Anatomy as it pertains to social media. So why don't you go ahead and explain that story? That is correct. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me here, and it's a pleasure to talk about a topic that uh, that comes on and off uh, more often these days uh, regarding the use of social media to market uh, medical products. Uh, it's not just true for medical devices, but any kind of product and any kind of marketing uh, for a given product that's done, more and more people are using social media. And when we think of social media, we typically think of Facebook and uh, media like that, Twitters and Facebook, but social media is more bigger than that. Social media is anything uh, that's uh, that is that is in in the public domain, uh, on a website or on a TV or radio program, uh, that that could be considered as an advertisement or marketing of a given product. Uh, you 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 mentioned an interesting story. Uh, there was a warning letter issued by FDA to a manufacturer of a medical device. Uh, in California, and I won't take the names; it's public information. But uh, what what happened was uh, the, the, this company was was working on a cardiac medical device, uh, and they were conducting clinical trials with it. And their principal investigator uh, knew someone as uh, one of the writers on Grey's Anatomy, and he plugged the device on one of the episodes of Grey's Anatomy, uh, in which uh, the actors uh, in the in the plot of the of the soap opera. Uh, the actors used that device to treat a patient. And the PI acted as a consultant, and PI also had a brief appearance on that episode. Somehow, um, FDA got to know about it, and the company got warning letter for ad advertising their product, their investigational product on a TV program, on a, on a national TV program. Uh, it came as a big surprise to, to people like us who follow the industry and follow the FDA's rulings because... This is the first time ever we have seen FDA go after something so vague like that, something where a TV episode is is obviously highly edited and uh, the information on it is really, really uh, very brief about any device. And it's very hard for patients to recognize a device based on its description on a, on a TV, fictional TV program. But FDA considered that as a risk. Uh, there have been many other episodes, uh, mostly related to Facebook pages and Twitters, uh, where actually FDA just re uh, FTC just yesterday released uh, a new uh, guidance on on mobile uh, advertisement, advertisement that appears on telephones, uh, smartphones, and so on, which is very very interesting to see. So uh, with that, I mean, uh, let's let's go into the specifics of of the process. But it is it is getting into a lot of areas where regulators traditionally did not go uh, and they are they're getting more and more aggressive about enforcing these uh, these new uh, not yet described regulations on a case by case basis hmm. yeah that's that that's interesting because it, it it would seem that that is a fairly innocent sort of occurrence for a device to be sort of plugged or showcased in, in Grey's anatomy uh but uh but it's clear that the FDA is watching and and taking action, um, you know, in, in this in this particular circumstance, as as you just mentioned, because the, the the manufacturer received a uh, received a warning letter, which is interesting. Yes, and FDA also actually recently, actually this week, uh, FDA gave contract to a private company to uh, 
to monitor social media, to monitor Facebook, Twitter, and all that. FDA actually gave formally a contract worth, I think, about $2 million per year to a company, uh, to an advertising company, to basically go out and, and monitor Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and any other social media, TV, radio, uh, for seeing uh, incidences of, of product product placement, product advertisement, uh, product promotion. Uh, so uh, we could expect a lot more aggressiveness from the agency in the coming uh, times. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I, I, uh, that, I, I have not read about that, um, that release in regards to the issuing of that, that contract, so that's definitely interesting. So let's go ahead and dig in. There's, there's, clearly, there's clearly risks and benefits um, to utilizing social media um, if you're a medical device manufacturer. Um, so let's, let's get into some of those risks and then contrast those to, to, the, to the obvious benefits of, of utilizing some of these channels. Sure. So, uh, well, okay, uh, in terms of, um, let's, let's look at the intent of regulators. The, the regulators are very concerned about off-label use of devices, uh, off-label use of any product for that matter, but let's, let's look at devices. Uh, because it's, it's, it's more prone in devices than in other products. Um, what the agency wants to make sure that is that manufacturers, first of all, say whatever they want to say about their device in a way that's non-misleading. Uh, and when something is, pro is presented in a brief format, and when something is presented on Twitter where you have a, a very short message that needs to go on it, or even on a website where uh, where the consumer has to scroll or has to sometime hit multiple links before they get all the information about a given product, uh, it is possible that the consumer may may not know everything about a device or a product uh, before they decide to use it. So for that reason, all the uh, all the regulations or I mean, so far there is no written regulation. It is more on a case by case basis. There are two guidance documents in the works. Uh, that the agency has assured will be released this year, uh, but they have been still enforcing uh, the, uh, the the advertisement uh, using various different regulations for the last at least two three years. Um, that what they have been asking the manufacturers is to assure that all the disclaimers, all the pros and cons, all the risks and benefits of a given product are adequately uh, informed to a consumer uh, in any form of advertising. And it is very, very hard for manufacturers to do that um, uh, on something like Twitter or even on Facebook, where you have uh, where you have very little control on what's get what's going to get posted by your uh, by your users by your connections. For example, there was a warning letter given out in uh, in September of 2012, I think, uh, sometime last year, where uh, where a manufacturer got a warning letter for hitting like on a comment. So they there was oh, wow. Facebook for a product, and a consumer posted some benefit that they got from using the product. So they posted a comment, and the manufacturer hit like on that comment. And <laughs> FDA gave a warning letter saying that by hitting like, the manufacturer was endorsing that off-label use. Uh, now, you can imagine, I mean, this is something could be again looked at as extremely innocent, as, you know, they found a comment that was very, uh, very favorable to their product, and they hit like on it. And FDA took it as endorsement uh, of that comment, which was off-label use of the device. So 
because again, coming back to the intent, the agency is very worried that manufacturers could mislead the consumers because since it was off-label, and by definition, off-label means that this is this is a use that has not been thoroughly reviewed by the agency in terms of its risks and benefits. So they are worried about uh, manufacturers uh, telling consumers something that they have not vetted. And because of that, they are getting extremely aggressive on, on anything that they feel would do that. And because social media is very new, uh, the agency acknowledges, agency even uses, I mean, FDA has all all kinds of applications for social media. FDA uses Twitter, Twitter itself uh, to release information. They use Facebook. They have uh, blogs. They have all kinds of uh, all kinds of ways to uh, to talk about their initiatives. So they are very aware of the power of social media, and because of that, they are also very aware of of the potential for misuse of this media, uh, and kind of going around the agency talking about things that they don't want people to talk unless they have verified it. So. Uh, in terms of FDA has released a couple of guidance documents. Uh, one of them was specifically about off-label use, which goes at length about how to address uh, a use that has not been approved by FDA. Uh, uh, there are certain advantages uh, to the consumer about these off-label uses. Uh, many medical devices have off-label uses. Uh, so FDA does acknowledge, and actually uh, the commissioner, FDA commissioner, um, Dr. Hamburg, actually went to a congressional hearing and very vocally said that the FDA does not want uh, physicians to not be able to use a product off-label if they feel a patient can benefit from it. But they certainly want manufacturers to not use that information uh, for financial gains. So uh, agency has been saying that while they're okay with off-label uses, they know off-label uses exist and they know these uses benefit patients, but they do not want those uses to be commercially used by manufacturers. So okay. the way... The way it is done right now is if an off-level information is generally known and physicians do it on their own without any active inducement by the manufacturers, then there is no problem with off-level use. Problem happens when manufacturers go out and actively talk about that off-level use without getting the agency's blessing on it. So this guidance document that FDA has talks at length. It's a, it's a pretty detailed guidance document, and it covers all kinds of uh, FDA-regulated products. And it talks about the rules that the manufacturer has to follow uh, when they encounter an off-label use uh, of a product. Got it. Uh, the one that I talked about, uh, the one that, that was released by FTC uh, on 26th of March, uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, that talks about, uh, about, uh, about the dot, it's called the dot-com, uh, dot-com uh, guidance. And in this guidance, uh, the FTC actually is talking about what, in, how, in what forms, uh, how, what should be the font size, what should be the zoomability, what should be the, uh, the positioning of text when looked at on mobile devices. So they're talking of, you know, uh, on smartphones. They know lots of people uh, do uh, see a lot of information on their smartphones. They read emails. They watch web pages online. So this, this whole guidance, this is a 50-page uh, guidance that came out of FTC, which talks about promotion of products and having a disclaimer information available. Uh, and uh, it is assumed uh, that FDA did play a big role uh, in writing of the guidance. And this uh, FTC guidance is going to, a lot of it is going to reflect in the FDA's guidance that is expected later this year. Okay. Okay. So, so there, basically there's two different documents or, or guidance documents to date. 
but the, there's going to be a third guidance document that the FDA will hopefully release later this year in 2013 to, uh, to, bring, to shed more light on this topic. Yeah, there are two guidance documents that are directly going to uh, going to be in in this domain. One is going to be a domain on social media use, use Facebook, Twitter, and all, and the other one is specifically on mobile applications, um, okay. on apps that you have for you know smartphones or iPads or you know notepad uh, on on tablets. Uh, that that guidance is also in the works, which will specifically address how should those uh, applications be designed. Uh, so that they can still be useful without, without as again misleading the consumer. Got it. Got it. So, yeah, and that'll be that'll be interesting. I almost wonder if we should have a follow up interview uh, later down the road when the FDA initially does release that uh, that guidance document. But for now, I want to go back to a comment that you made earlier, or a couple comments that you made earlier in regards to um, um, the, the fact that a medical device manufacturer needs to sort of empathize with the FDA in terms of how they're viewing social media. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the FDA's main concern is not le not misleading the consumer, um, especially as it pertains to off-label promotion of products of medical devices. But um, it, it sounds like, you know, you're, they're trying to take existing uh, requirements existing like an existing paradigm through traditional marketing channels and trying to apply that to social media, which is really quite different and very iterative. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm not supposed to get out words this afternoon here, but um, it, social media changes so often. It's really more about listening from listening to customers versus actually um, marketing. So that seems like a rather difficult task to accomplish for a medical device manufacturer to to stay within the traditional confines of, of FDA regulation as it pertains to medical devices, but somehow being able to utilize social channels to engage with potential patients, potential customers. So with that said, what, what are, you, are there some best practices that, um, that you're seeing or maybe that you're, you encourage some of your, your clients to, to um to take on in terms of utilizing the various social channels to to market or to promote medical devices? Yes, yes. Actually, FDA is not averse to manufacturers using social media to market their devices, provided they know about it. So what we do advise is, of course, sending everything to the Office of Prescription uh, Drug Promotion or actually the Office of Device uh, Promotion within the CDRH for medical devices. If you are planning to have a Facebook page, for example, for your product, and many products do have Facebook pages, uh, if you do, if you if you are if you're planning to have that, or if you're planning to have you know a website dedicated to your uh, to your product, then submitting all the content that's going to appear on the website, and actually uh, submitting uh, a potential website with all its color schemes and all the different links on it, sending it to FDA's uh, advertisement division. For review before before releasing them is always a very good idea. Um, if you are going to allow consumer forums, if you're going to allow things where people can post comments, uh, either on your website or on your Facebook, then you certainly want to make sure uh, to to have some kind of control, some kind of review of any information. So, for example, uh, we talked earlier about somebody hitting like uh, on a comment on a, on their Facebook page. So, you know, of course, uh, they didn't know this could be considered as, uh, as, as a bad thing. But now that we know, uh, companies can have, should have standard processes uh, uh, for managing their 
their uh, their outlets, their information outlets, uh, no matter what they are. So uh, having standard processes. So first thing, of course, when you when you initiate something, uh, having the agency look at it and let you know if there is anything objectionable, uh, and and obviously listening to them and revising it. And second is to have standard processes uh, where uh, where you define what are your do's and don'ts for your uh, for your information outlets. And third thing is to have individuals who are experienced and who are uh, who are trained to monitor those things, to look for those kind of red flag issues. Uh, for example, if you see uh, if you see. Uh, an off-label promotion, an off-label use of a device uh, being discussed uh, on a forum that you run, then it's very important for someone from here within your staff, because this is your website, to post right away a disclaimer information that this is off-label and the company does not endorse it. And actually, uh, they do mention that uh, in their off-label promotion, uh, off-label guidance, uh, that whenever uh, whenever a manufacturer encounters or becomes aware of off-label information, either from a public or a or a or a private somebody individually contacting the company, or any of the ways, if the company becomes aware of an off-label use, they are supposed to provide full disclosure uh, uh, to the to the requester uh, of the off-label information which includes providing, you know, first of all, telling them that this is not something that has been approved by FDA, so there could be risks that they are not aware of. Second, directing them to R&D staff and not to marketing staff uh, in terms of, you know, uh, the, the tone of the information that goes out, and also providing any other information that, they, that the manufacturer may be aware of, even information that may not be favorable to your device, providing all the information, and then documenting it in detail. So there is a very formal process out there uh, to manage off-label information. Uh, and very similar uh, rules apply to social media. Uh, when, you, when you encounter something off-label social media, uh, then you want to uh, then you want to certainly address it now i should i should point out that although i'm i keep mentioning off label use even for on label use uh, it's very important to have certain rules when you talk about social media uh, another okay. another another fraud alert actually there was a fraud alert that came out of uh, the office of inspector general uh, within the dhhs uh, yesterday uh, march 26th uh, which talks about uh, physician owned uh, distributorships of medical devices and products. Now, for medical devices, it's very common for physicians to invent medical devices. Many medical devices are invented by doctors who use them on their patients. Uh, many medical devices are sold through physicians, uh, through manufacturers. Manufacturers talk about uh, usually go to a physician and offer them a device and so on. So any time a physician has a stake in a medical device, as an investor, as somebody who gets a commission on sales of devices, or any other financial uh, relationship for the distributorship of a device, even if it is on-label, there is a fraud alert, a special fraud alert by OIG, specially discouraging that practice, especially talking about when a physician, because what was found was in cases where physicians were also distributors of a medical device, they were they were giving the device lot more. They were prescribing the device lot more than it was it was necessary. Uh, uh, there were unnecessary operations. There were unnecessary sales. Uh, there were there were there were there were times where uh, sales were uh, very highly aggressive on the consumers. So actually, uh, there is uh, and this actually directly plays into the anti-kickback laws that exist in this country. 
uh, which uh, under which uh, anybody who gets uh, you know gets a kickback for sale of a device either as a commission or any other reason that's considered illegal um, for for medical for medical products so there is there's a special uh, precaution for all medical device operations you know when you talk to your sales agents when you have marketing people go out and and get physicians on board to sell your devices make sure that those are looked at by lawyers and looked at by somebody an anti kickback specialist to make sure that you're not getting in that in that gray area where you could get in trouble uh, sure. the office of the general is investigating those things uh, very very closely Got so it. it's not just off label even on label so if you have a physician many physicians have facebook pages many physicians have you know patients uh, they, they uh, you know websites where they talk about what they do or whatever they and they make a presentation somewhere or any kind of expertise they attain just make sure that those uh, those uh, those also get reviewed because they do impact your device got it and if got you it. sell it to them you would be liable for it according to the FDA okay um so so let's go back let's go back to some of these best practices that you mentioned um just just to review uh number 1 was was submit all content that you're building out for your social media uh site whether it's YouTube, uh Facebook, Twitter, etc. submit all that content for review by by the FDA or by CDRH. Um the second best practice would be to have standard processes in place internally um for your social media outlets and then third would be have experienced people um, on hand that are ready to monitor uh, your various social media channels in order to make sure that you as a company are um, are are abiding by the FDA standards uh, when it comes to both on label and off label promotion. Did I sum that up okay? That is that is correct. Yeah. So so I want I want to actually ask a, a specific because th this this question actually came in from our audience in advance of um, in advance of, of this interview and just for those listening if you do have a question. In advance of the interview, there's a new uh, there's a new tab on MedSider.com that that allows you to actually submit a question in advance of the interview. Uh, but this question comes, um, and I'm, I'm just going to read it here to you, Doctor um, Doctor Kumar. It says, if a patient submits a question regarding a device via Twitter, how is it possible to present balanced information on indications, risks, benefits, etc., given the 140 character limit? How would you best answer that question? question? Very good question. And actually, there is a very clear uh, direction from FDA in that. The direction is uh, you reply to it by directing them to the right department at your organization. So you okay. don't have to give them all the response. What you do is you tell them, please contact this, this individual in our R&D department to get the complete information. Uh, don't try to reply with anything other than that. And actually, they even, uh, they even provide examples of the kind of language they want to use. Uh, which should be pretty much non-soliciting, non-committing non in any any direction. So Got it. That's, that's a simple rule for, for something like Twitter. And that applies to even Facebook comments. When you get a comment, you know, there is a limit as to how, how big a text you can type into that box. Uh, and, uh, you know, there would be always a problem. So you always send them the contact information uh, and tell them, please send your question to this individual at this email address. And we would we would send you the detailed information, and only then send the information. Now, now that, that's great stuff. So instead of feeling like you have to respond and actually answer that question via Twitter or through the limited number of characters on on on, on a Facebook comment, for example, 
it's best to either address them to a certain department or maybe even direct them to a particular web page that has yes. content that's already approved. Yes, well, absolutely. That, would that be yeah. another way? Okay. Yes, okay. that would be another way. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, anything that's that's already you know is pristine, it's, you know it's, it's it's kosher. Send it to that website and uh, send them to that location instead of trying to respond right there. Got it. Got it. Okay. And this, this I guess, this is a nice segue to another question that came in advance of this interview from from the audience. Um, it, it I'll, I'll read it to you again here. If misinformation, um, or let's let's call it maybe off-label off-label information is posted on a site for, uh, for a particular medical device, um, is it the company's responsibility to address it even though they, they maybe aren't the owner of that particular website? Yeah, uh, well, it's a gray area. If the website is owned by the manufacturer, then okay. yes, they need to respond because they are, they are responsible for anything that's posted on that website. Got but it. if the information is posted on a publicly held website, something like, like let's say there is a consumer forum, and within that forum people post information uh, about about a device or a drug, the company does not have any liability so long as it does not participate in those uh, responding. If they do not say yes or no or anything like that, if they do not support, and if they do not say anything uh, in either way, being negative or positive, they stay out of it. Uh, then they don't have any because there are several consumer forums uh, on the on the on the web uh, on uh, online, which may talk about many different users, and uh, it is not reasonable. And actually, the agency agrees that it is not uh, fair to expect a company to know everything that's out there on the billions of pages out there. So what they do, what they do expect is if it's your if it's your website and somebody posts on your Facebook page or your a website uh, or a forum that you created, then yes, you should address it. You should you should correct it. As I said earlier, uh, respond uh, by posting a note saying that this information is off label and it's not been verified by FDA, so that it's clear that you are not endorsing it. Uh, but if it is not controlled by you, if it's a public blogosphere somewhere, then you don't have any liabilities. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense. So it's not it's not like a device company or or a pharma company, who you know what, whatever healthcare company uh, or whatever whatever umbrella you fall under. It's not like you it's not like you have to feel like you have to monitor every single web property on the internet. It's just basically the proper the, the web properties that you own and produce content for. You need to make sure that everything is legit and approved by the respective regulatory agency. That is correct. That is correct. You know, there is there was recently uh, another congressional hearing uh, where the CDRH's director was asked a question that many a time device manufacturers are well aware of an off-label use of their device, um, and uh, how does the agency approach it? And the answer was that you know, unless uh, unless a device manufacturer goes out and actively markets a device for off-label use. There is no restriction on doctors using a device in an off-label fashion. So even though the manufacturer may be aware of it, they don't have to go out and specifically get an approval for that off-label use or do anything else other than not participate in marketing. Uh, The agency is very clear that they do not want to restrict doctors uh, from, uh, from, from using any product that could help a patient. The only condition they have, which is what I talked earlier about, the physician-owned distributorships, where, and they call it PARD, the physician-owned distribution, POD. Uh, and in the case of a PARD, 
uh, agency certainly considers the the physician now no longer a physician but actually a manufacturer or a distributor so their uh, their liabilities change okay uh, other than that if somebody if a physician is using your device for off label and uh, you know they, that it can be used but there is nothing you can do you are not marketing it for that purpose you have you don't have much liability in that case got it got it okay um and i want to go back to um kind of the, the second best practice that you mentioned earlier in regards to having standard processes in place now in your experience in in helping um in helping some of your clients deal with this issue with social media and and marketing of of, of fda re, re, uh regulated products are are there without going into i guess too much detail are there some some standard processes that come to mind or that that are worthy of of commenting on right now um in terms of see in terms of social media there are certain things i always advise people not to do so i advise them to stay out of twitter uh because it's 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 very it's very restricting in terms of how much you can post and um it it always hurts you so i always tell people that don't uh, don't use twitter too much to market your device actually stay away from it and tell your management and your your personnel to not use that to talk about your your products um also i also tell uh, my clients to stay away from solicited blogs uh, blogs that you pay for uh, you have a, a paid uh, author blogging about your device uh, i do tell them to stay away from it because it can be you know somebody saying something unless you control every word somebody writes um it would become it could it could potentially lead to some landmines for you later um a third thing that i that actually is going to also become much 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 less now because of the sunshine act uh, within the affordable care act uh, there is a provision for sunshine disclosures where manufacturers are supposed to disclose any payments made to physicians uh, uh, any payments of of any kind including payments for clinical trials so it's a very very uh, expanded sunshine act uh, expanded in terms of what used to exist in certain states where uh, when physicians are involved in talking about your product uh, it it could it could lead to issues for the physicians and for the manufacturers uh, legal liability issues so in general practices i tell people to stay away from these three things uh, stay away from twitter stay away from solicited blogs and stay away from uh, hiring in, in physicians to talk about your product because uh, even a good product could get bad name because of bad practices um other than that as i said earlier uh, having the content reviewed by the agency uh, having uh, the practices to avoid any kickback issues uh, and training people appropriately addresses most issues got it got it okay okay and as we reach towards uh you know towards a a conclusion to here to this interview there's another question that i want to make sure i answer i thought it was really good um that that was that one of our our audience members submitted in advance um, and again, I'll read it off here to you. Um, of course, we all know medical device companies are required to report adverse events to the FDA. If unidentified patients post comments regarding adverse events on a website not controlled by the medical device company, is that company then required to report the event to the FDA or attempt to contact the patient? Um, well, yes and no. Uh, and i'm sorry for being so vague about it in terms of liability of a manufacturer for um, for an unidentified patient anonymous patient posting an 
adverse event, legally there is no liability uh, for the manufacturer. Uh, manufacturers are, are supposed to report any complaints they get directly, but not what somebody posted on some website that they don't even know who's, who's the poster. But at the same time, uh, if the, if, if that's, so that's, why, that's why my no uh, answer. In terms of if the, if the complaint is similar to what they have heard from other patients that did report to the manufacturer directly, and the manufacturer becomes aware of some additional complaints out there that they cannot verify, but they may be out there, uh, they should uh, discuss uh, their post-marketing uh, plans. They should look at their post-marketing commitments, what they made to the uh, agency, if they made any, about what their commitments are. Because if the post-marketing commitment is to uh, collect all safety information and let FDA know, then they may have to uh, make a submission uh, to their post-marketing, uh, to the post-marketing study, uh, letting the agency know that they have become aware of this adverse event that they are trying to verify, but they can't, they don't know what it is about. Uh, it is very similar to when you do clinical trials and you have lost to follow up. Uh, in clinical mm -hmm. trials, it happens all the time that a patient has an adverse event. You, so, somebody called, uh, maybe the patient her, himself or herself called you and said, "I don't want to come again because I had this adverse event." And the patient refuses to come back to you, and you call the patient multiple times. You try to reach out to patient, but the patient does not is not traceable. Uh, and what we do in that case is we actually let the agency know that we did all all things reasonable to contact this patient, but we are not able to. So we are calling it loss to follow up. Um, something very similar applies to this kind of uh, side effects that you talked about. So there could be cases where, you know, where manufacturer may have to do something more. I would advise them to, you know, look at their, uh, talk to their regulatory consultants and see what's the right approach, depending on the adverse event. Uh, I mean, more severe the adverse event, the more worried should be you. Um, simple as that. If it is something like somebody died or somebody's claiming that they had, like, serious disability, which would be considered as a major adverse event, then I would suggest, uh, for your own sake, try to find out if you can. Got it. Got it. Okay. Very good. Um, and then, and then, and then, lastly, uh, before we uh, before we end this uh, this interesting interview, um, it's obviously a, a challenge for medical device companies to utilize social media a lot a lot a lot more difficult than than other verticals. You know, say say tech or education or you know whatever name your other vertical. It's a lot more challenging for for device companies. Um, Having said that, there appears to be, you know, uh, a lot of benefits, too, to utilizing social media. So, so what are you what's – your, what's your take, in summary, uh, in, in regards to uh, medical device companies and, and whether or not they should, they, should jump into, uh, they should jump into social media? Oh, I think you cannot, you cannot hide from it. Social media is here to stay. I mean, these people are going to talk about your product on Facebook, on on Twitter and on everywhere else, and you should you should certainly take advantage of this 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 very very valuable tool to talk about you. Uh, mm -hmm. Absolutely, I I, I'm, I I encourage people to use any technology out there uh, to talk about their product uh, with 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 all the precautions that I mentioned. You know, taking care that you don't uh, you don't get accused of uh, of doing something that is illegal. Uh, but yes. social media is something that is going to stay. I mean, I don't think a company can hide from social media. Uh, yes. Even if you don't have your own Facebook pages or you decide, you would still want to have uh, a, a website, I'm sure. Most products have websites these days. 
you want to control information. I think it's very, very important for a manufacturer to realize that in this information age, you want to control information, both good and bad. Because you, what you don't want is somebody bad-mouthing about your product on a social media incorrectly, somebody saying something bad about your product which is not true. So it could be it could be in, it could be used in in both the positive and negative ways. So you should certainly I think the first thing you should do is definitely look at you know what are the most appropriate social media tools for you. Uh, I'm all for websites. I'm all for uh, you know having YouTube videos talking about users. Uh, I'm also for having Facebook pages. Uh, I'm a little uh, uh, biased against Twitter because of the limit uh, of the amount of information you can post. So the only thing you can post on it is uh, is a web link or a contact information uh, due to the limit in characters. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also uh, a little uh, skeptical about any other media which controls, uh, you know, the accuracy of information. If it is uncontrolled information, there is good chance of uh, error in that information. So I'm, I think. Companies should certainly investigate uh, and try to have social media departments within themselves where they have individuals who help them uh, come up with a social media plan, uh, individuals who monitor social media, uh, and also who, who make sure that whenever needed, they get appropriate approvals and are trained uh, to do those kind of things. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I, I personally believe that... Uh, if you are not going to do it, you're probably going to get hurt more uh, than you than you want, uh, because it is it is here to stay. Yep, yep. No, no, that that that's a great summary, and and like like you just mentioned, if I think if if device companies don't uh, don't jump on board, they're certainly going to be uh, much much further behind uh, in comparison to their uh, their competitors that have already embraced social media but are doing it properly and under the and under the, uh, the the correct guidelines and um, and requirements as as introduced by the uh, by the regulatory agencies. So, um, cool, very good. Well, let's 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 call it good, um, uh, Dr. Kumar. But for those listening that have, that have, have stuck through the uh, and, and listened listen to this part of the interview, where where's the best place for them to to learn more about Amerix, to learn more about you? Where do you want to direct the audience to? Well, you know. Um... Uh, um, I mean, if you are going to give out, I, I would say, you know, going to the website of the company is a good place to know where what MRX does. Um, I, I mean, I, I, my contact information, please make it available. And if somebody has a question that I can help with, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, okay. There are there are seminars that I have done on this topic. Uh, so if you Google, you'll find you know if you Google my name and social media, you'll probably find links to those webinars. Uh, these are web-based seminars uh, that I have done on this topic, talking about the FDA's guidances. Uh, and there are others that I'm planning to do in the near future. So uh, I would say, you know, uh, there are several ways uh, to to reach out to me and my company to find out more about it, uh, about about these things. We do we do consult with many clients on these aspects these days because this is very very important for pretty much every aspect of this industry, from clinical trials to marketing and post marketing and so on. Um, and actually, this is this is considered a very important marketing. Uh, technology these days, uh, mm -hmm. particularly in the international scene, because we have way too many uh, clients who are based in one country, but they have customers based in other countries who found out about them from websites by searching. So uh, it, it has it has certainly 
a significant benefit to the users, uh, to the manufacturers. Uh, of course, you know, every everything comes with its own uh, with its own limitations. It's not used properly. Sure, sure, that makes sense. So, so just those listening, yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly did the same. Um, you can certainly Google uh, Dr. Kumar's name and social media, and, and there'll be a whole, a whole list of, of, of various websites that he's been featured on or done presentations for or webinars for. It's, it's Dr. Mukesh Kumar, uh, uh, M-U-K-E-S-H is, uh, is his first name. Last name is Kumar, K-U-M-A-R, and I'll, of course, link up to the uh, – link up to um, – to the website, uh, you know, for the show notes for this particular interview, and then, and then, Dr. Kumar, why don't you go and give the website for um, Amerix? Yes, it's www.amarexcro.com, uh, and my email, direct email, is uh, mukeshk at amarexcro.com. Got it. Okay, so it's just your first name and then K. Mukesh That's K right. at americcro.com. That is correct. Got it. Very good. Uh, well, thanks, thanks a ton for uh, for coming on the program, Dr. Kumar. Really appreciate appreciate your insight. Uh, there's, you're definitely full. You can you can tell that you've spent a lot of time studying this uh, studying this topic and are very uh, very uh, uh, knowledgeable in regards to uh, uh, the use of social media pertaining to. Uh, a highly regulatory industry like the uh, like the medical device space. So, uh, thanks again for for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. It's it's a pleasure. All right, that's it, folks. Hope you enjoyed the interview. And one last reminder: we are on iTunes. Just do a search on iTunes for MedSider, and you can subscribe to the podcast for free. That way, all the new interviews will automatically download to your iTunes account. It's super easy. All right, until the next episode of MedSider, remember, don't just sit in the audience of life. Be ambitious. Take some action.